The following sermon, entitled Not Being Anxious for Our Daily Bread, was preached on Prayer Day, March 9, 2022, at Hope Protestant Reformed Church in Redlands, California. If you enjoy listening to our sermons, we encourage you to come worship with us. For more information on upcoming service times and Bible study opportunities, please visit our website at hopeprc.org. Let's open the sacred scriptures this evening to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, we will read the second half of the chapter beginning at verse 19, and we will read through the end of the chapter. The text for this evening's sermon will be verses 25 and 26. Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 19, this is the inspired and therefore infallible Word of our God. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thy eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness! No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body more than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you by taking thought can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall He not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith, Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Thus far we read God's Word. The text for this evening's sermon is verses 25 and 26. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. 
Are ye not much better than they? This evening we gather together for what we call prayer day. And as the name obviously suggests, part of the purpose in coming together tonight is to pray to our God. But the specific prayer that's on the foreground in this worship service is not just prayer from a general point of view, but as was mentioned in the bulletin and was hopefully evident in our congregational prayer, the central prayer that we raise to our God tonight is a prayer for our daily bread. We're asking Him to provide our physical and material needs. That at least is the historical purpose of this worship service. For long ago, the church decided it would be good to get together early spring. Just before the farmers get ready to go out into the field, to plow the field and to plant the seed, the church decided that because God is the One who ultimately determines the outcome of those crops, whether they will yield a plentiful harvest or no harvest at all, Therefore, it's entirely good and appropriate that we gather together as a body of believers to ask our God to grant us His blessing upon that crop growing season and upon the eventual harvest that would come in the fall. And while it's true, we do not have farmers in our congregation or Really, very many people even connected to that whole industry. And while it's true, we do not follow so closely the agricultural calendar anymore because the reality is we just expect there's going to be groceries available to buy at the store. But even though that's true, it's still good for us to come together tonight. Though the congregation is not made up of farmers, we should not do away with this worship service and say that's from a bygone era. We don't need this anymore. Instead, it's good for us to maintain this practice to continue to come together once a year specifically for the purpose of asking God to provide us with our daily bread. And it's exactly because that is the focus of this worship service that we can readily see how Matthew chapter 6 is a very appropriate passage for us to consider on this occasion because Matthew chapter 6 is all about our physical and material needs. In verse 25, Jesus speaks of what we will eat, what we will drink, what we will wear as clothing, and he's getting at all those things that support and sustain our physical lives, our earthly existence. He's talking about our daily bread. But now to be more specific, Jesus is telling us here, take no thought for these things. And in telling us, take no thought for what you will eat and what you will drink and what you will wear, Jesus is thereby addressing the temptation that all of us face to one degree or another to become anxious. 
to become worried about whether our physical material needs will indeed be met. And exactly because all of us do struggle with this temptation to one degree or another, this is an important passage for us to consider. So tonight we consider Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 and 26, using as our theme, not being anxious about our daily bread. Not being anxious about our daily bread. First, we'll look at the calling. Second, we'll look at the reasons. And then third, the remedy. Not being anxious about our daily bread. The calling, the reasons, and the remedy. As part of His Sermon on the Mount, Jesus told His people, Take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. And to be clear, at the very outset of the sermon, we need to establish that Christ is in no way forbidding careful planning or diligent work with a view to obtaining these earthly needs. And we say that because on face value, the passage might seem to be teaching that. Jesus says, take no thought for your life. So we might mistakenly interpret that to mean, well, Jesus is telling us we should not bother planning about the future. We should not labor and toil with a view to bringing these things in. But perhaps, we should just expect He's going to provide for us in the same way that He cared for Elijah, whom He sent to the brook and had birds bring him his daily bread. Perhaps that's what Jesus is teaching us here. But obviously that cannot be the case because otherwise this passage would be in contradiction to so much of the rest of Scripture which calls us to make careful plans and to labor diligently. For Scripture calls us, for example, in 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 10, it tells us that if any would not work, neither shall he eat. Likewise, Proverbs chapter 6 points us to the ant and says, Go to the ant, thou sluggard. See how it's diligent all the day long, even though it has no overseer, even though it has no ruler, it remains busy. It's diligent in its work. And you should do the same. We have the example of Joseph when he was sent down into Egypt. Did he not plan for the long-term future? Setting aside food during days of abundance knowing that a famine was coming? It's in light of those passages of Scripture that we can say this passage is not forbidding careful planning or Diligent labor with a view to obtaining our daily bread. And that's even evident from the text that we're looking at. Verse 26, Jesus Christ points us to the fowls of the air. Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. And although it's true that the birds of the air don't plant seeds into the ground and then harvest it and gather it into barns, the birds of the air are still busy going about that work of gathering food by pointing us 
to the fowl of the air, Jesus is thereby implicitly indicating we are to labor diligently. So this passage is not forbidding careful planning or diligent work. But what then does it mean? What is Jesus' point when He tells us, take no thought for what you will eat and for what you will drink. The point that Jesus is making is this. Do not be anxious concerning these things. Do not let your heart be troubled about what you're going to eat. Do not become nervous about what you are going to drink. Do not let your heart be filled with worry on account of what you will wear. That's the idea here. And that comes out from the specific word that Jesus uses here that's translated in our Bibles as take no thought. That word means to be anxious, to be worried. And the literal idea that comes into view with this word is having a divided and a distracted mind. A mind that's full of all these different and competing thoughts and we're going from one thought to another so that such a mind is one that asks, what are we going to eat? Because after all, this past harvest was not a very good harvest. And you know those Romans who are over us, they keep increasing our taxes. What are we going to eat? And what are we going to drink? Because there hasn't been very much rain of late. And we already live in this dry climate here in Palestine. And what are we going to wear? If we can't maintain the flocks, how are we going to put clothes on little Johnny and little Susie? And the mind is going from one earthly care to the next and then to another and then to a different thought. It's a divided, distracted mind. That's what Jesus has in view when He uses this specific term, He has in view an anxious and worried heart. And the calling of this passage is stop being so anxious. Do not let your heart be full of such worry. And Jesus says that not just from a general point of view, but as we mentioned in the introduction, He has in view specifically Worry and anxiety regarding our daily bread. And what's so striking is that this is not just a passing comment that Jesus makes in the middle of His sermon about something else. But this was a matter of importance for Christ. This is something He's emphasizing and that comes out in the fact that He comes back to this multiple times here. Because in verse 25, he says, take no thought for your life. Don't be anxious. And he comes back to the same thought in verse 28. Why take ye thought? Why are you anxious for raiment? Again in verse 31, therefore take no thought. Do not be anxious regarding what you're going to eat. Verse 34, take therefore no thought for the morrow. Jesus is showing Himself to be a good and faithful teacher who makes use of one of the most important instructional tools that any teacher has in his repertoire, namely, repetition. 
He hits on this point again and again. He's reiterating it so that it sinks in, so that this message hits home. Stop being anxious. Do not worry about your daily bread. But now if this is so important, that raises the question, how so? Why is this so important that Jesus goes on repeating this instruction? Or to put it differently, what makes such worry wrong? Why does Jesus forbid such anxious thoughts? And the answer very simply is this, that insofar as we become focused on what we're going to eat, what we're going to drink, what we're going to wear, insofar as we're focused on those things, we are thereby drawn away from our God. That's the seriousness of this. And that's really the common denominator that ties the two sec- the, this section that we're considering back to the previous section. Verses 19-24, through 24, Jesus addresses laying up treasures for ourselves on this earth. Verse 19, He said, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon the earth. And He talks about the same thing in verse 24 toward the end that you cannot serve God and mammon at the same time. Mammon being a reference to earthly riches and the sinful corrupting influences of those earthly riches. So that in verses 19-24, through what's on the foreground is setting our hearts on the things here below. Making that the primary objective of our lives. Amassing and accumulating wealth so that we have all these treasures here on earth. That's verses 19-24. through Verse 25, Jesus changes to a slightly different topic, but not an altogether different topic because here, as we just mentioned, He's concerned about being anxious and worried about those things. But you see what brings both of these together is that common denominator that rather than being focused on God, our focus is entirely on the things here below. The things that belong to this life and to time. And the fact that both of these are a temptation for us reminds us of the subtlety of the devil. You see, the devil really does not care which of these two temptations you are more inclined to. He does not care if for some it's that they want to lay up their treasures in heaven and for others it's their, the fact that they're worried about their daily bread. So long as... Our focus is on the earthly, the material, the physical, because in that way, the devil can thereby draw us away from our God. The devil wants us to have our mind less and less upon him and more and more on the things here below, distracted from our main objective, namely the glory of our God. And it's exactly because Christ recognizes that we're inclined to both of these temptations that He gives us the instruction that He does here about not being anxious 
about not laying up our treasures because Christ would have us focus on the things of heaven, the things above. And that comes out explicitly in verse 33, for example. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. That's the focus, or at least that's what should be the focus. And it's with that positive aspect in view that Christ gives us the two negatives. Do not lay up your treasures here on this earth. Do not be anxious, worried about your daily bread. And we see how important this is exactly because we are so prone to that worry, to that anxiety. And our inclination to worry comes out in this passage of Scripture in the specific way that Jesus phrases Verse 25, when he says, take no thought, he phrases it in such a way that indicates clearly that he's addressing those who are already worried. Who already have anxious hearts. And Jesus is telling them to cease from that. We could translate this as saying, stop being anxious. Break that bad habit that's already a part of your life. And Jesus puts it this way exactly because this is something we're prone to, something we are inclined to. This is a temptation for fathers who have the responsibility to provide for their families. This is a temptation for mothers to whom the running of the home and the care of the home is often entrusted. This is a, a temptation for young people and young adults who are trying to figure out what vocation, what calling to pursue. And even if we can honestly say in our hearts tonight, all of my current needs are met. I'm not anxious. I'm not worried about my daily bread. I have more than enough right now. Even if that is true, there's still a part of us that's worried that becomes anxious about the future. Specifically, we become worried about our future daily bread when we start to think about the impact this thing or that thing is going to have upon our lives here below so that for some of us, perhaps, it's the inflation that we see taking place. And we begin to wonder, how am I going to afford my daily bread? If grocery prices keep going up and up and up and up, how are we going to make ends meet? Or maybe it's the housing market. So that for the young people and the young adults, the young married couple in the church, we're worried, how are we ever going to afford a home? How are we ever going to be able to put roots down here in Southern California? For others, perhaps it's what's going on in Europe with Russia invading Ukraine and all the impacts that's going to have on us. And what happens if America becomes more directly involved? What happens if there's world war taking place? How's that going to impact our daily lives? What are we going to eat? What are we going to drink in that case? Or maybe it's our school we are worried about. 
We've had a number of students leave. That affects the tuition and we wonder how are we going to maintain our good Christian school? And even if as a a body of believers we can maintain it, how are we as a family going to ever afford such tuition? And even if none of those resonate with you tonight, surely this one does. What are we going to do when the world becomes increasingly hostile towards Christianity? When persecution ramps up, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear for clothing in those days? Our inclination is to become worried. To be anxious about our daily bread. And it's exactly because we have this inclination that the calling of this passage is stop being anxious. You do not need to worry about your daily bread. And what's so beautiful about this passage is that Jesus does more than simply tell us, stop being anxious. Instead, He backs it up also. He gives us good reasons to listen, to heed this Word. There are really two reasons that are set forth here in this passage of Scripture. One in each verse. And while the reasons are related and that they both employ a similar form of argumentation, from a certain point of view, they come at this from opposite points of view. First of all, there's the reason given in verse 25 which argues from the greater to the lesser. Verse 25, we read this, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. And now here's the reason. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? And when we read those, we might, those words, we might wonder, what on earth is Jesus saying here? What is He getting at? Well, what Jesus is doing is making a comparison. A comparison on the, between, on the one hand, our life that we've been given, the body that we have, and on the other hand, the food, the drink, and the clothing that serve to sustain and to support that life and body. And Jesus puts these side by side knowing that we'll recognize that the one is greater than the other. And the argument, the reasoning is that if God has given us the greater, and He has, does it not follow that He will also give us the lesser? That is, knowing that God has given us a life and a body, we can have confidence He will give us the things that sustain that. That's what Jesus is getting at. He he points our attention to our bodies, to our lives. And makes us consider How did we get them? Where did they come from? And the answer is obviously from our God. 
Our God who has created us. Our God who has given us not only our soul, but also our body. Who's given us life and breath. Who's given us strength. God is the One who decided by His own sovereign will to give us the life that we have. And when we step back and look at the life that we have and look at the bodies that we've been given, we exclaim with the psalmist that I'm truly, fearfully, and wonderfully made. And now knowing that God has given us that greater gift, does it not follow that He will give us the lesser gift, the things that support and sustain that body and life? That's what Jesus is getting at here. If He's given you the one, you do not need to worry about receiving the other. God is not all of a sudden going to deny Himself and neglect to care for the body and the life that He's given us. That's the argument. From the greater to the lesser. And that's Jesus' own argument that He brings forward here. One that we should not just dismiss or cast aside but insofar as we are tempted to think, well, so what? That's, that's not that big of a deal that He gave me my body. How does that a guarantee He's going to also give me my daily bread? Well, we can strengthen this argument by turning to another passage of Scripture still under this first category of an argument from the greater to the lesser. And if for some reason Matthew 6, verse 25 is not helpful for you, if it's not relieving your concern, then let Romans 8, verses 31 and 32 do so. Because Romans 8, verses 31 and following, we read this, What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all, how shall He not with Him also freely give us all things? Same form of reasoning from the greater to the lesser. Only here, the greater is much, much greater. Because the greater gift in Romans 8, verse 32 is that God did not spare His only begotten Son, but delivered Him up for us all. He did not hold back His Son. He did not prevent His Son from coming down into this world to be born of a woman. He did not keep His Son from enduring humiliation and suffering, but instead, He delivered Him up for us all. That is, He delivered Him up into the hands of that band of militia that came in the middle of the night to the Garden of Gethsemane to arrest Jesus Christ. He delivered Him up by giving Him over to wicked judges who would declare Christ to be guilty even though there was no fault to be found in Him. He delivered Him up by giving Him over to the hands of Roman soldiers who would beat Him, who would scourge Him, and who would ultimately crucify Him. Which is to say, He delivered Him up to the death of the cross. 
He delivered Him up as the sacrifice for our sins. The One who would take the punishment we deserve for our sins. And if He did that, shall He not freely give us all things? If He's given us spiritual life and He continues to nourish and sustain that spiritual life, is He not also going to care for us physically and give us the food, the drink, and the clothing we need to sustain our earthly existence? That, beloved, is the first reason. The argument from the greater to the lesser. That means we do not need to be anxious. We do not need to be worried about our daily bread. But now that can be strengthened by adding a second reason. And while this second reason is related, it's really the exact opposite because here we go from the lesser to the greater. And that's what comes out in verse 26. Verse 26, Behold, the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Here again, we have a comparison. Jesus puts side by side the fowl of the air and those to whom He is speaking. His own people. And again, we see there's a greater and a lesser. And here the argument starts with the lesser. If God cares for the birds of the air, if He, he gives them their food, and everything they need, their shelter, then you can be sure He's also going to take care of you. And He's going to provide you with what you stand in need of. Exactly because you are more valuable to Him than the birds of the air. And we can say that confidently because Christ Himself tells us that at the very end of the verse, are ye not much better than they? You are more important to your Father than the birds of the air because you are a different creature. And to be specific, you are His sheep. His blood-bought sheep. His sheep that He has chosen from all eternity to be His own peculiar people. His sheep whom He has ransomed and purchased to Himself by the blood of His own beloved Son, Jesus Christ. His sheep whom He now calls by the voice of the Good Shepherd and gathers into the sheepfold. You are precious to Him, child of God. And that means when you look out over the creation and you see God caring for all the different birds we see around us, that you can have confidence He's going to care for you. Because if our God will not allow two sparrows that are sold for a farthing to fall to the ground apart from His will, then He's not just going to forget about you. He's not going to neglect you. But He will give you everything that you stand in need of. 
And it's in light of these reasons, whether regardless of which one resonates more in your own soul tonight, whether the argument from the greater to the lesser or the lesser to the greater, it's in light of these reasons that we do not need to be anxious. We do not need to be worried or nervous or troubled about our daily bread. Instead, we are to trust. Because that's really the remedy. The remedy to all such worry and anxiety. And the calling to trust in our God does come out in this passage. It's implied in the verses that we read because when Christ tells us, stop being anxious, don't be worried, well, the flip side of that is trust in God. But that's not just implicit in this passage. It's made explicit in verse 30. Verse 30 we read, Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall He not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? And by adding those last few words, O ye of little faith, Jesus is laying His finger on the fundamental issue here. He's identifying the the reason why we do sometimes become anxious and worried. It's because our faith is weak. It's because we're not trusting in our God the way that we should be. And by putting these together, the negative, take no thought for your life, stop being anxious, the positive is very clearly trust in your God. And that trust, I say again, is the the remedy for that anxiety and that worry. That trust is what dispels the worry that we find in our hearts. It's what drives away the anxious thoughts, the, the divided mind that would otherwise characterize us. And such trust even is the remedy for our worry when we do in fact have very little. When we are lacking from a certain point of view the physical and material things that we need for this life. Because that trust recognizes my God is still able to provide for me. Even though I don't know how He's going to do so, I don't know in what way it's going to come, nevertheless I can be confident He will provide for me. And insofar that He does not, the trusting heart recognizes also then even this is for my good. The trusting heart clings to the truth that this serves my salvation. Really, this is absolutely necessary for my salvation. There's no other pathway to heaven for me than the pathway that leads through poverty. And insofar as I lack these things, God is using that for my good because I'm thereby drawn. I'm thereby drawn closer and closer to my God, ever more reliant upon Him. You recognize you have good reason to trust, right? Not just because of the reasons we already mentioned, but because of who we're talking about here. We're talking about your heavenly Father for Jesus' sake. That's the name Jesus uses. 
Is it not? Verse 26, Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your Most High God? No. Yet the Lord of hosts? No. Not some other name. But Jesus is specific. He's deliberate in picking the right name for the point He's making so that what He says in verse 26 is yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. He picks the name that emphasizes our God's willingness to provide for us. He's our Father who's adopted us as His sons and daughters. Who's committed Himself to caring for us. The One who loves us with an everlasting love. And what's more, He's not only willing, He's able because He's our Heavenly Father. He's the God of heaven and earth. The One with supreme power and might. The One who rules over everything. And therefore, we have reason to trust. We can be confident that this Heavenly Father of ours will indeed take care of us. Exactly because we are His children for Jesus' sake. Let's not forget who's talking to us in this passage. This is Jesus speaking in the Sermon on the Mount. It's He who says, therefore, I say unto you. These are the words of our Savior to His beloved congregation. These are the words of the One who is truth. Whose words are verily, verily. This is the One who's been raised to God's right hand who is now in charge of the distribution of everything on the face of this earth. Every good you can imagine. It's all in His control and He's the One dispensing it. And this is the One who laid down His life for you. Who paid the price so that we can be the sons and daughters of our God so that we can address Him as our Heavenly Father. And it's knowing that He is our Father for Jesus' sake. That we can then heed this Word and take no thought for your life, what you will wear, what you will drink, nor for your body, what you will eat. But instead, trust. Trust that your Heavenly Father will indeed continue to provide you with your daily bread. Amen. Father in Heaven, we thank Thee for Thy Word as it not only sets before us the salvation that we have in Jesus Christ, but also touches on so many other aspects of this life and even speaks to our own worry and anxiety that often swells within our hearts regarding our physical and material needs. 
Father, therefore we pray that Thou will apply this Word unto our hearts. That Thou will help us to trust Thee. And thus, stop being anxious regarding our daily bread. Hear this prayer for Christ's sake. Amen.